This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. And Matt, we are a week away from Draft Eve. I know. Draft Eve's harder to sleep than Christmas Eve. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> got a little better in my old age, getting to my 40s. Yeah. It took me a good 40 it's years to be able to Visions sleep of edge rushers dancing in his head. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. 100%. But no, we're getting down the home stretch here. This is always a tough week or so because everything you read and hear is BS, to be honest with you. I don't believe any of it. Um, maybe we'll get a trade or a signing or something like that, but most of these teams are buckled down. So it's just a lot of anticipation. Yeah. Today was the last day for, for college visits. Right. Um, the Steelers having Malik Willis in today. Uh, then they'll, they'll hunker down um, and, and finalize their draft board. And they'll talk about, you know, where they hit, they will have every player. Ready. When we had Bob Labriola on a couple of weeks ago, I thought he, he explained this well. Like there's never a, a quote unquote tie when it comes to these. Players. No, 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 no. They right. will have them. They will have them ranked and slotted in, in their spots. Now you may get to the, to the 20th pick or the 52nd pick and say, okay, here's who's available. We have this guy rated slightly ahead of that guy, but this guy's at a, a more of a need position. So we're going to take him. But they're not but, fighting about it three minutes before the pick. No, no. That, that's why <laughs> so often, as we've seen in, in the draft process, and you and I have covered a bunch of these together now on the radio, how many times do you see Steelers are on the clock and then, boom, it goes, the pick is in. <laughs> oh, they're always quick about it. Yeah, Because they know. They've already, they've already had the conversations. Yeah, they've done their homework. They've been down this road many times. They don't need all the time. Real quick, I mean, from my experience, and I'm sure the Steelers do this the same way because every team does, what you need to know is the first steps of building the board are position rankings. You rank all your quarterbacks one till not draftable anymore, basically. So, right. okay, I got a list of 12 of them. You do that with every spot, you know, however you want to make your position. Jeez, and there'll be notes. guys who aren't on there because of medicals or because of off-field stuff. Those guys 100%. will be off the board, yeah. And there won't be 32 times seven rounds plus comp pick names on your front board. There'll probably be half that. At they'll, have a, they'll have, they'll have, you know, 150 to 200 names on their board. Yeah. And the Patriots historically have like a hundred, you know, and they pick some weird dudes. Yeah. yeah but, but yeah, anyway, and then you get your sideboard that if you have to go to it, that's not ideal. Usually those are your priority free agents, that type of thing. But more importantly, or, the thing that people might not realize, like, hey, Williamson, I realize they rank their tackles. I get that. You know, everyone does, just like you do on your fantasy drafts. But what's important is the horizontal board. Is, is my fifth running back better than my eighth tackle? And what I mean by the right. horizontal board is just look at an Excel spreadsheet. And at the top, it, it has all the position groups. And again, you just rank your, your, your running backs all the way down, one to 20, whatever. But there might be a huge gap between running back eight and running back nine. You know, it doesn't mean running back eight might be right. might be a guy you take in the third round. Running back nine is a guy you take in the sixth round. Right. And there's 10 offensive linemen in between them. You know, so it's not just one after another. There's all these gaps there. So you, when I say positional or the horizontal board, look at it from left to right. And that's where a lot of fights are happening now. You know, like if we already have a receiver – do we like this corner better than this center? Well, that's a hard conversation. 
Right. And then need comes into play. And that, and that's where, right. You know, when, right. when people talk about, um, the best hey, available is a joke. The best available guy. The best available guy is always at a position of need. <laughs> always. <laughs> right. It, rarely. Rarely I mean, do you see a team. That, stairs, yeah. You rarely see a team off. with, oh, we've, you know, like the Bengals this year. You think the Bengals are taking a, a wide receiver in the first three rounds of this draft? Probably not. Right. Right. You know, they unless don't need a first round grade on them or something. Yeah, unless, unless you know, unless Jamison Williams is available in the third round, then you're talking best available player. But in the first first couple of rounds, nobody's taking. Oh, he was the best guy available. Well, no kidding. Yeah. He was the best guy available because you because you looked at those guys through the prism of what you needed. <laughs> right, because <laughs> you need rookies to play. You know, yeah. especially first round picks. They don't sit around. And boy, we still aren't there's, taking a tight there's end. There's nothing you know? worse than, than, than having to, to answer to fans constantly about, well, why isn't Lawrence Timmons playing this year? Right. And, right. I, and I get it because, you know, the Steelers didn't need him to play right away. But there's That's still the luxury the teams rarely have. There's still now. those questions. Yeah. Now, you, because of the way the contracts are structured and that fifth year option, yeah, you have the fifth year option, but the fifth year option is expensive. Oh yeah, that's not a slam dunk no brainer. It is fully it is fully guaranteed. So you want to have you want to know what that guy is by year three. Because you got to make a decision mm-hmm. after year three. So much of this is financial. It's not is the player good or not. It's is it worth the money? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I mean that's what's going on now, though. Is there's fights of is running back six better than safety three? You know, maybe it is. You know, I mean, that, that's the kind of things that are, is, is hard for the GM or the final decision maker. to figure Yeah, out. I, I have a hard time. But like when people talk about, uh, you know, they'll talk about the draft. Well, he was pounding the table on draft day. Nobody's pounding the table on draft day about this stuff. Stuff's already decided if you know what you're doing. Yeah. I, I mean, you don't know how the board's going to fall. And there's going to be some unexpected surprises or hurdles. But the well-prepared teams, which all of them are well-prepared, understand that, well, this is a sweet spot for – how often have we talked about? There's, what, six or seven safeties. After that, I don't really have one that, you know, that I think can do what the Steelers need them to do, you know. So if we don't get one here, we're out of luck, you know. Then you you develop him one. He's going to be on your bench for a couple years. Yeah, or you're calling a free agent, you know. Like, there's a pocket here that we have to hit or we're not getting that position. So for us to go away from a safety has to be a player that maybe has a noticeably better grade on them. Just for example, you know. Right, right. You know, for example, if Pat Fryer moved last season, Steelers mm-hmm. had a first round grade on him. Mm-hmm. He was there in the middle of the second round. You take him. It's you a position. Him. Yes, it's a position of, of somewhat of need. Yeah, but they, you know, they didn't necessarily have to have Pat Fryer move come in and play right away. They had Eric Ebron. Now, Ebron ended up getting hurt, but, you know, it, 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 it kind of speeded up the process a little bit. They knew they probably weren't going to re-sign Eric Ebron. Right, right, right. I'm big picture thinking that I'm sure they wanted to draft a tight end at some point. I'm sure he was their second-ranked tight end. You know, Pitts is a different animal, obviously, and they knew they weren't going to be in the Pitts market. So, wow, I mean, if, if he's our 30th best player on the horizontal board and he's sitting there in the middle of the second round – we're going to grab them. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I've, I've gotten a lot of second guessing on that one because, well, they could have taken Creed Humphrey there. Yeah, they could have, but then they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have had Fryermuth. you know, and that, that's a great example though. Like remember last year, there was like five centers probably led yeah. by Humphrey 
down to Kendrick Green and guys in between right. that I'm sure they had conversations 365 days ago, a week before the draft. Well, what if all the centers are there and Fryer move? What are we going to do? We can have our pick of the centers or but we can take the one there's tight no, end. Yeah, left. there's no tight end that we have ranked this high. Exactly. The rest That's of these the tight ends are, going on now. The rest right. of the tight ends are like fourth round guys. Okay, sure. then we then we take the tight end. Yeah, that's exactly. the you know that's that that's how that conversation goes. That's yeah, you end up right now. Yeah, you end up passing on Creed Humphrey, but nobody Creed Humphrey was not a slam dunk. Oh, he's going to be a star pick. I, otherwise, he would have been no, a first no, rounder. Right right, 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 right. I mean, he's the, a really the, good prospect, but he wasn't noticeably better than the other four or five this time last year. Yeah, the Chiefs passed on him in the second round last year. Mm-hmm. To no, take no, right, Nick right. Bolton, like they didn't. If they would have thought, well, he's going to be, he's going to, you know, be a potential Pro Bowl uh, center in his rookie year, they would have taken him with their first second round pick. They wouldn't have waited to the second second round pick. Right. I mean, I do remember all the mocks we did last year. We ended up with Creed Humphrey in the second round quite often. Or I remember being on the air live when the Steelers' second round pick was, you know, what it, it came up, and I thought, and I'm sure I said. Creed Humphrey seems like the logical player here, but I didn't do as much homework on the, the Steelers horizontal board versus the vertical board where there's only one tight end worth grabbing. And if you get them now, great. And I'm sure they felt pretty comfortable. And I know Kendrick Green didn't play great in his, his, his rookie year that there's only four teams in the center market. One of these five will be there in round yeah, three. We'll, we'll get one of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. So. Especially at center because you know the teams that need centers, right? Right. I mean, that's and that's very obvious. Pretty obvious, yeah. It's, it's you know, yeah. That's why your personnel, your pro personnel department, plays a big factor, right, in, in draft day because they're Whoever, able to tell like, you. I think hey, Dallas this is, is what a they center. Got. Like right now, I think Dallas is a center needy team. I'm just picking one out of the blue. Well, they're looking around, going, "Well, the Steelers aren't going to take one." You know, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's what's going on right now. That's you know, and I keep seeing again mock drafts come out with the Steelers that have the Steelers taking in the interior offensive linemen. Makes no sense. Continued now. We're, we're a week out from the draft and I, and I, I still see that. I'm like, no, they're not going to take an interior offensive line. They're not taking Kendrick green or not Kendrick green. Uh, uh, the uh, Kenyon. Linderbaum. Green. Oh, no, Kenyon green. Right. Yeah. Kenyon green, Linderbaum and, and, and Zion. Zion Johnson. I just, the Steelers aren't taking those guys in the first round because they've got four starter caliber Interior offensive lineman on the roster right now, and that doesn't even include Hassenauer, right? Who they gave or Blue, you know? Right. And I think those guys are making the team. Those guys, yeah. So how many? That's six guys on the interior offensive line. You're not keeping, you know, six would be the most you would keep. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And maybe it's a, a late day three guy, or maybe there's a third round pick of a player that is. Six four, you know, that is maybe a guard guard or tackle, tackle, yeah, yeah. But you start him at tackle, and if he fails, he bumps inside in a year, maybe. But you'd have to have a high grade on that player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, switching gears up real quickly, um, Steelers announcing today, not surprisingly, that they're going back to St. Vincent College. Um, That's awesome. Fantastic news. I know uh, Mike Tomlin very happy about that. I'm sure uh, Art Rooney happy about that as well. As are we. Uh, I would say we are quite happy. We had a little conversation. And, and I think, early. Yeah. He's happy. Yeah. I think fans will be happy about that as well. I mean, oh, they, man. they could go to the, to the practices at Heinz field 
Not the same. But it wasn't the same. It, it just same. wasn't. Um, you had to sit in the stands. You couldn't. They couldn't sign autographs. Uh, you know, all the stuff that, that that you like to do and take the kids out and watch a practice and go to, to what I always call Rooney World, uh, where the, the kids can do the 40-yard <laughs> dash and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's just so much there, you know, that's it's all the part walking of the- up the hill is so cool to me. Yeah. You know, signing yeah. autographs all sweaty or before practice, you're right next to them in their pads and they're walking and, up and the hill. For a lot of those guys, Matt, that's what the, that's all they've got. Like, if you're a, you know, you're an undrafted free agent or whatever, and, you know, this, I would drink that in like it was the gold nectar of the gods. Like I would, yeah, right, I right. would stand there and sign autographs for three hours because yeah. you're not, when are you ever going to get that chance again? Mm-hmm. Like no, you've got yeah, thousands yeah. of kids there and maybe you make it, maybe you don't. I'm sure they all believe they have a chance to make it, but my sure. God, that's, that's, a, ch- right, that's right. a chance of a lifetime. Like, Oh my God, all these key people are here and they want my autograph. Are you kidding me? Yeah, this is great. No, I, I, it's a great environment. If, if you guys have never come sat in the bleachers or on the hill, whatever, you should definitely do it. I mean, especially if it's not a crazy ride for you. It's a cool day. Um, not to knock any of the wind out of your balloon here, but if you've never watched an NFL football practice, it's not quite as exciting as you might think. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> it's not but it's fun. more about the, the being there. Cool. Yeah. And then, you know, what happens before and after practice that, that really yeah. makes it special. Stop and, by our radio booth and say hello. Yeah, and, say know, hello. Right. We're, we're out yeah, there. We're right. broadcasting. There'll be somebody from Steelers Nation Radio broadcasting pretty much all day from training mm-hmm. camp, including ourselves. So yeah, it's a it's very exciting time. And uh, for, for me as a journalist, I love it because I, I get an opportunity to have one-on-one conversations with these guys, um, you know, top of the top of the roster, all the way to the bottom. You know, That's I, great for you. I, you know, I, I try to talk to 50 or 60 guys throughout the course of training camp. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just because you can, right, and you, right. can you can get them one-on-one and you can, you can learn a little bit more about them. Same thing with the coaching staff. You know, there, yeah, there are right. coaches on the Steelers coaching staff that have been here for a couple of years that outside of maybe one zoom call, or something like that. I haven't talked to. And a Zoom call is a, a much different. It's completely different level. Yeah. People ask me questions about Matt Canada's. You know what's what's Matt Canada's philosophy? I'll be honest with you. I don't know because I sure. haven't had a one-on-one conversation with the man to have to ask that question. Hey, because I don't want to give it to everybody else. Right. I'm not going to ask questions, probing questions like that in front of all the other writers, because then they're going to have it too. They want to ask it. They're going to have to ask it to them privately themselves. So yeah. I think, I think this is huge. Uh, I think, you know, it will provide much more insight into the team uh, for, you know, for a fan perspective, because they'll be able oh, to, yeah. find, the, the reporters will be able to, to find that stuff out. Uh, there's just so much more that you can, you can glean from being at those practices. And also we can report what we see. That's huge. That's huge. Right. You know, that, that's it. We can talk about it. Yeah. That's absolutely big. A couple notes there. Some things you said is you will often reference throughout the season or a year or two later, boy, I remember talking to Raider at his first training camp or whatever, you know, some of these guys that aren't huge names that everyone has a mic in their face, you know, the first round pick everyone's talks to, but boy, that, that you you have a good knack for picking out the undrafted free agent that's catching the eyes of coaches, or maybe a coach told you. And that's just, that's just kind of, those those are the kind of conversation, you know, you talk to, I make it a point to talk to every position coach at training camp Mm -hmm. at least once, sometimes twice. 
And you do that because you want to find out about these. Guys. Hey, this guy's flashed a little bit. I've been watching him. Am I off base there? You know, or has this guy got a chance? And or, that's something they might tell you privately. They're not going to say it publicly. Right, right, right. Very often, and, but they may again, say I'm it like one on one. I don't know the tricks of the trade. I'm not a reporter. But if a position coach were to unsolicited mention a name to me, that's not an obvious one. Boy, I mean, radars go. Yeah, radar, now I'm, radar, now I'm right, going to watch yeah. that guy a little, a little more closely and see what's there. You yeah, know, by the I'm same sorry. token, I can remember seeing, you know, James Harrison's first training camp. And you'd see James Harrison winning his one-on-ones like crazy and just beating people up. And then you ask the position coach about it or, or one of the coaches about it. And like, yeah, but he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, yeah. yeah so. People think that they, these players know what they're doing, but you know, like, does he align right before the snap? You know, does he read the play? I mean, there's so it's mind boggling to me whenever you get a chance to go in a position room or a coach's only meeting, a defensive staff meeting, and they're talking about the finer, finer points of the game. That's what they're looking for. And, you know, I'm not bashing Malik Willis. I love Malik Willis. I hope he's a Steeler. Don't get me wrong, but like he knows none of that stuff yet. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Let alone he's he's Jon Snow. You know <laughs> exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah, totally moldable clay that could go good or bad. You know. Yeah. One last thing I wanted to touch on here: uh, report coming out today that Debo Samuel has asked the 49ers for a trade. Um, yes. People get well. The Steelers could would, would the Steelers trade for Debo Samuel? would they be, be a whole segment where yeah but would they be interested right, in, a, right. in a debo samuel sure i'm sure they would be interested in debo samuel but then you got to pay him yes i mean again without going 20 minutes on a diatribe about this first off too the steelers picked up um miles boykin today which i think is a little bit noteworthy too big strong fast didn't work work with the ravens at all but it's you mentioned last week you thought there was more of a need for a big outside guy than there are. It's an interior and guy. And that fills it. <laughs> and that it, it, it doesn't fill it, fill it. I mean, it, it's a but typical it, Colbert. It, it provides you with a guy who has played NFL snaps. Right. That's to a fill lot that. of talent. At worst, he's your, he's your fifth receiver because he can play special teams. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so it, 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 a limit, it lessens the need on draft day. But again, this is a huge conversation because I think there's a lot going on at the receiver position in the NFL right now. But Debo's not alone. He's just the one in in the news. Metcalf, A.J. Brown, McLaurin, Debo, and frankly, Deontay Johnson, who hasn't made any stink. But all those guys were drafted on day two the same year and have been phenomenal football players. They're heading into year four. and Heading into year four and haven't made any money. You know, right. like they're frustrated. I mean, and uh, there's massive wide receiver play tectonics changing, moving around the NFL right now. You mentioned Matt Canada. I think he would adore Debo Samuel, but you got to pay him a year from now too. I mean, him and Deontay are in the same boat. Yeah. If you trade for him, then you got to pay him and you, you, you what you're going to have to pay him. There's a reason he wants out of San Francisco because they don't want to pay him. Or yeah, I, I'm not sure how all these things are going, you know, because would you rather, and again, the Steelers are going to face this with Deontay Johnson. It, it might be a situation too with, with a Debo Samuel that he doesn't like how they're using him. It's possible. I was thinking he's a little bit different than everybody else. He may be looking at this going, if, if I'm going to be part running back, part wide receiver, my career is going to get shortened. And it will. 
And it will. And absolutely, you know, if I'm carrying the ball, if I'm carrying the ball six to ten times, there were games last year where he had double digit carries, and these are end around carries. It doesn't say there. These are running back. These are running back carries, which makes which makes no sense to me because the one thing if the 49ers have had left and right is running backs. Oh yeah. And they've proven for 30 years, going back to daddy Shanny that you can win with okay running backs. You know, they're better yeah. with good ones. I think the beating they gave, they gave Debo was a little foolish, but they were a final four team and they were winning. And it's hard to, to you know, tell a coach that stop doing what you're doing when you're winning playoff games left and right. But yeah, I mean, the idea picture. is to win, but right, right, right. Big you picture, know, it's not good for Debo. Not good for Debo, but I don't I don't see the Steelers getting into that uh, conversation. Uh, we're going to take a break. He is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. When we come back, well, Todd McShay and, and uh, uh, why am I forgetting? Mel, right? Mel Kuyper have put together yeah. their uh, their three-round dueling yeah, mock. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, be we'll, fun. Do, we'll go over that next right after this on The Drive. <laughs> 